שבוע טוב to all Chai FM listeners out there. It's uh, Monday again and uh, we've started a new cycle, but uh, this week is quite an exciting week. We are going to be celebrating the festival of Shavuot, Pentecost in English, the festival of weeks. It's the seven weeks that we have counted from Pesach and we are about to reenact and re-experience the incredible um Experience that we had at Har Sinai at the Mount of Sinai where God came down from the mountain and gave us the Ten Commandments. And of course, with the Ten Commandments came the rest of the Torah. And really, that's what defines us. That's who we are. We are a book of the pe- uh, people of the book. And the book that we are a people of is, in fact, the Torah, the five books of Moses. And of course, the rest of the holy writings that God added on our Nevi'im, our prophets and our to them our writings which are the Megillas and all the other um, uh, books the Nevi'im, the, the prophets which comprise of the time after the Jews went into the land of Israel and uh, we, we, we there were um, ruled by, by um, prophets and we had kings etc etc um, I was talking to a, 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 a group of people at my house on Shabbat, and one of the things that we said, and I think needs to be emphasized and needs to be publicized, is that perhaps Shavuot, out of all the holidays, is probably the most because it identifies us as a people. You know, it seems to kind of like be neglected. It doesn't have a specific mitzvah associated to it. We normally have, uh, when we have uh, Pesach, we are eating matzah. When we have Sukkot, we are shaking lulav and etrog on Rosh Hashanah, we're blowing shofar. On Hanukkah, we're lighting menorah. On Purim, we're listening to the Megillah. On Yom Kippur, we are fasting. On Shavuot, there is no specific mitzvah. We spend the day learning Torah. But one of the interesting things about, so to speak, the emptiness of uh, Shavuot in terms of mitzvot is that it emphasizes the most in, important mitzvah, and that is the mitzvah of learning Torah. The Talmud Torah connected kulam. That the learning of Torah is far greater than any one other mitzvah, and the reason is very simple: is that when we learn Torah, we understand who we are, what we're supposed to do, where we are going, what. Life, what purpose life has, etc., etc. And so I encourage every single one of you out there listening um, to celebrate the festival of Shavuot by using the 48 hours to explore your heritage, to find out more of what the Torah has to say, because it says that God looked into the Torah and he created the world. The, the Torah is our manual. It's almost when you get a washing machine and you get a manual and it tells you which buttons to press, which cycles to run, which soap to use, what to do if and when. Torah is our manual. It is the instruction manual on how we are to live. And the brilliance about Torah is that it's God, godliness given. Um, And in God giving it to us, we are actually immersing in divine knowledge, divine insight. And it's always fascinated me that as Jews, we can learn the Torah over and over and over and over again. Every single year we go through the same five books of Moses, but every year you get a deeper insight and a, and a deeper understanding on a psychological level, on an emotional level, on a mental level, on a physical level. Torah is so deep, one can never, ever, ever get to a point where you can say, I know it all. And Shavuot is that 
festival where we celebrate the giving of this knowledge of this this transmission of godliness from heaven down onto earth and it's a very very powerful uh powerful holiday and certainly Every single day here on Chai FM, we learn Torah, um, and one should learn Torah every single day, whether it is through a podcast, whether it's looking um, in, a, in a bookshop and, and getting a book to learn, um, whether you're looking on the internet at the various uh, Jewish sites. We have the, in the, 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 the knowledge of Torah accessible to all of us, and we have no excuse. Know that when Mashiach will come and you'll say, why didn't you learn Torah? Don't think that you're going to find an excuse because it's inexcusable today. Um, you can learn it even commuting to work. You can learn it in your bed. You can learn it at some quiet time. It's really accessible in many, many, many ways. And um, this is what we are celebrating this Wednesday and Thursday. Starts Tuesday night, runs into Wednesday and Wednesday night and Thursday. Um it's not just about the cheesecake and all the milchik stuff that goes with it. And then I'm going to leave for other presenters to explain why we eat milk. But most importantly, I'd like to emphasize that each and every single Jew from a baby all the way to the great grandmothers and great grandfathers and everybody in between should come and attend a shul service of your choice um, on Wednesday morning where we will be hearing um, again read from the Bimmer the story of the giving of the Ten Commandments and the Ten Commandments themselves and um, that is a way that we show how we reenact the fact that each and every one of us stood at Har Sinai stood by the foot of the Mount uh, Mount Sinai and received the Torah firsthand. Having said that we are going to get involved in um, our learning today, we are learning the book of Tehillim, the book of Psalms that is part of the Tanakh, it's part of the Ketuvim. And we have been exploring for the last two weeks the various um, chapters of Tehillim that have to do with Hallel. And by the way, since you're going to go to shul on Wednesday morning, make sure you come a little bit earlier than Torah reading because we are going to be praying um, Hallel. We are going to be saying the chapters of Tehillim. And uh, I'd love that each and every one of you actually looks inside the book. And as we are, you're listening either to the choir singing or you're, you're joining in, that you know what you're saying and you understand a little bit more what Halal is all about. So we started two weeks ago and we said that there are six chapters of Tehillim that um, form the, the basis of Halal. Of those uh, v- uh, chapters which we are called praise, where we are praising Hashem, and that we say it on all Yamim Toivim and on some of it on Rosh Chodesh, etc. And last week we finished up chapter 114 that was describing Israel's exit from Egypt to Betzait Israel in Mitzrayim when Israel went out of Egypt, and we spoke about how um, <clears throat> nature actually itself turned upside down, had, had had awakening itself from the revelation of godliness. We are going to go now into chapter 115, which is going to really teach us a very, very important lesson, uh, I think particularly today in the 21st century, that each and every single one of us must learn. But before we get really stuck into that, we're going to go for a commercial break. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. 
Indeed you are, and we are going to get stuck into 115, chapter 115, which is the third of the six chapters of the um, the group known as Hallel. And um, very, very interestingly, this is a, it's, it's a Tehillim that starts and it talks to God about the nations of the world. And um, it pleads to God, in fact, that um, one of the long-term effects of Hashem doing all these wonders to us in Egypt, etc., is that we kind of like expect it, and particularly the Gentile world, they rub it in our rub it in when Hashem doesn't appear to be doing miracles for us. And so this Tehillim is a Tehillim where we beseech God again to intervene in order to teach all the scoffers and the people out there that are, are, are going and saying, you see, God has left you. And this is really the beginning part of this capital Tehillim. It reads as follows, Lolanu, Hashem Lolanu, not for our sake, God, not for our sake, Kila Shimcha ten Kavod, but for your namesake, please give glory, Al Chastacha, Al Amitecha, for the sake of your kindness and your truth. So basically, we are begging Hashem to redeem us, not because maybe we are personally worthy, but because of the merit of our forefathers and also that God needs to do it for his sake. We've been sitting in, in Galut in diaspora now for over 2,000 years. We've been downtrodden. We have, we, we have found ourselves in very, very difficult situations wherever we have found ourselves. And we know that when we go into Galut, Hashem comes with us. And this Tehillim comes and says to Hashem, Lolanu Hashem, Lolanu, it's not for our sake even to, 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 to perform a miracle and to show the world that you are around. It's Kila Shimcha Ten Kavod. It's for your sake, for your namesake, for your kindness and for your truth. Now, one of the interesting ideas over here is that if you take the word Lanu, Lamad Nun Vav, it has a gematria of Lamad is 30 and Nun is 50. Vav is 6. That's a gematria of 86. Now, one of the names of Hashem um, that has the same gematria of 86 is the name Elohim. Is God's name, which we actually use in the beginning of the Bible, Bereshit Bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created. And our sages teach that this is, when we use Hashem's name as Elohim, we are talking about Hashem when he's found in nature, meaning a time where Hashem is constricted. Hashem is concealed. Hashem is hiding behind the nature of the world. Um, it also denotes Hashem in a state of judgment, in a state of discipline. And what we are saying um, to God when we say, Lo lanu, not with lanu, not with Elohim, Hashem. Lo lanu, not with Elohim should you judge us. We're, we're requesting leniency. We don't want harsh punishment because harsh punishment would cause a desecration of your name in the eyes of the Gentiles. We're asking Hashem that you have mercy on us and that you, that you, uh, you, you show yourself and show your miracles for your sake, not even for ours. And we go on to say, al 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 for the sake of your kindness and your truth, 
we recognize um, that we might not personally have insufficient, we personally might not have, um, in, we, we have insufficient merit to warrant Hashem's assistance, but we know that Hashem is kind, al Chastecha. He's the God of kind, um, kindness, and He helps even those who are unworthy. And we ask Hashem to, to, to understand, to, to help us from a much deeper place, from a place of his kindness. It's almost a father to a child, okay, where the child goes and says, yes, I know that I'm naughty. I know that I don't, I don't deserve it, but I am your kid and you are my father. And there is a benevolence that flows from father to son. Please show that benevolence. And why should God show those benevolence? Because it needs to be, it, we need to show God in a positive light. Why? So verse 2 says, Lama yomru hagoyim ayena elokehim. God, the, 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 the Gentiles will say, where now is your God? When things don't look good, when we find our situation, um, where it seems that God is constricted, the very first thing that we get is a, a comment from the Gentile nations of, ha, huh, where do you think um, where is your God? What is happening? Now, the Briska Rav, a very famous rabbi from the previous century, um, actually gave a deeper insight into this verse, and he quotes a verse in the Talmud in Yoma, where it says that the Gentile hordes, when they desecrated the temple, they went and said, aha, okay, look, we've just broken down your temple. Where's Israel's awesome God? And um, whenever we got oppressed, they all went and said to us, well, where is God's strength? And in reply, um, we're taught that the sages explained that events provide a most dramatic display of God's awesome power. Because the brutality with which the conquerors displayed towards Israel infuriates God. It really does. But God has an incredible amount of patience and he holds back his intense anger. Because at the end of the day, God wants everybody. He allows all men to exercise free will. And he doesn't allow his emotions, such as anger and revenge, to interfere with his design of the world. He lets people be what they have to be. But ultimately, ultimately, there will be a time where there will be a balancing of the books. There will be retribution. So don't think that when we have looked back in times of history and we have suffered immeasurably and God has not been around he has been around he's been with us every moment of every day um, why don't we see retribution because if God showed retribution straight away then he would in effect be taking away man's free will because you would understand straight away that you can't do what you're doing the same thing applies to ourselves you know if we do God forbid something wrong and God immediately strikes us with lightning, then none of us would be around. God is very patient. He sits and he watches and he tries to teach. And um, there is eventually a balancing of the books. Judaism does believe what goes around comes around and there is there is ultimate justice. But we shout out to God, Lama Yomru Hagoyim Ayena Elokechem. Nevertheless, on a practical level, the nations of the world will shout, Where is your God? What are we going to reply to them? We're going to reply in Pasuk Gimel in verse 3, 
ve'elokeinu bashamayim. God is in, in heaven. Kol asher chofetz osa. Whatever he pleases, he does. They might mock us for not, you know, not, not getting God, not doing anything. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is doing exactly what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And then comes a whole lot of verses, which I think are perhaps the most relevant, um, to us, even though we are speaking in the third person, we are speaking about the non-Jewish world. Sadly, today, um, I believe that these verses are also speaking to us because we have embraced um, the secular world outside of ourselves, and we too have joined the ranks of the idol worshippers. Let me explain. From verse 4, verse 5, Verse 6, verse 7, and verse 8. It reads as follows. Their idols are silver and gold. They are the handiwork of man. These idols have a mouth. They cannot speak. They have eyes. Velo yiru, but they cannot see. Oznaim lahem, they have ears. Velo yishmau, they cannot hear. Af lahem, they have a nose. Velo yirichun, they cannot smell. Yedehem velo yimishun, their hands they cannot feel. Raglehem velo yihalechu, they have feet they cannot walk. Lo yihigu bigronam, they cannot utter a sound from their throat. Kamohem yihu osehem, those who make them should become like them. Call Asher Botech by him, anybody who trusts in them. So basically, what we have over here is a description, a third party description. We're saying, God, please reveal yourself. Lo lanu Hashem, lo lanu, not for our sake, but for your sake, because the Gentile worlds are saying, no. So where's your God? But what are the Gentile worst, uh, Gentile, um, Nations doing, they're worshiping idols. And we kind of like, in a sense, um, break down, make a mockery of this idol worship. How can you idol worship when they have eyes? This, the idols have eyes, but they cannot see. They have a nose, they cannot smell. They have hands and legs, but they cannot move. They've got, uh, they've got, they've got a mouth. They cannot speak. They've got ears. They cannot smell. That's, that's who is shouting, where is your God? And how foolish they are because we've bought in to, they have bought into the fact that there's other things that they are praying to. But I'd like to give a different spin, um, even though that might be very true of the Gentile world. And you might be saying to yourself right now, well, this really does, is not very pertinent because who bows down to an idol today? Well, hey. We're still idol worshippers, and perhaps today our idol worship is far more sophisticated, and we feel that we're far more intelligent, but we certainly worship um, stuff in the world. We worship wealth. We worship people who drive fancy cars and who have fancy degrees and who are in places of power. We worship fashion. We don't dare find ourselves walking out on the streets if we're not wearing the right clothes. We worship education. 
secular education. We worship so much and we put so much emphasis on things outside of who we really intrinsically, internally are. And that is a, we're, we're, we're a chelik elakai mimal mamish. We're, each of us are carrying a piece of godliness within ourselves. And our job in this world and our purpose in this world is to reveal godliness. It's not necessarily that we've got to ensure that we've got a main home and three holiday homes, four cars, 250 pairs of shoes, and the latest in fashion. But sadly, while the rest of the world is bowing down to these idols and ha-ha, isn't it interesting that we've even got a TV program called Idols? Don't tell me we don't worship today. As Jews, we should make, we should ensure always that our priorities are different, that our priorities are aligned with who we really are. And that is worship of Hashem and what Hashem says. And no, I'm not telling everybody that you can't have a nice car and you can't have great clothes and that you can't go have an education. I'm definitely not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that all those things are just a means to an end. And the end isn't self-gratification. The end is not that I should be bigger and greater and more famous in society. The end is, is that you should use your car and your shoes and your education in service of God. And where we miss the boat is that we become like the Gentile nations where we begin to worship, it, worship all of these things in and of itself. And that's where we really, really come short. And idol worship has been around since the day God almost created the world, except for Adam and Eve. It started, it started going and, 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 and denigrating itself through idol worship until the time of, of, um, of Noah, when God destroyed the world. And very soon after Noah, we again have people who think that they've got to be greater than God and they build a tower of Babel. And we know that when Abraham came to the understanding that there was one and only God and that everything else that everybody was praying to was nonsense. Okay, Abraham grew up in a pagan society. His father, Terach, owned an idol shop. I always like to joke that he owned toys, idols or us. What sort of toys or us? He owned an idols or us. He owned a warehouse. And we know the famous story that uh, Abraham tried to prove to Terah, his father, how ridiculous it was. One day he was told to look after the warehouse of idols, and he took the axe and he cut down a whole lot of idols, and then he put the axe in the biggest idol in the idol's hand. And when his father came back, he went, what the heck happened here? There's absolute disaster. And uh, Abraham said, yes. This idol had a fight with that one, and then this one got involved in the brawl, and then this big idol got really mad, and he took an axe, and he chopped everybody else up. To which his father said, don't talk nonsense. These idols have no eyes. They have no legs. They have no hands. They can't move. Well, exactly the point, said Avram, back to his father, Terach. So why do you pray to them? It seems pretty logic, logical, what, what he was saying. But even today, in the 21st century, we are still idol worshippers. And whilst we are speaking in the third person and we are talking about the idols of this world, I think there's a very, very, very important message for us as well. Understand, the idols are silver and gold. Don't run 
after wealth. If they are handmade, man-made, made by man, and then put on a pedestal and worshipped, it's not for the Jew because they have no mouth, they cannot speak, they have no eyes, they cannot see, they have no ears, they cannot hear, they have no nose, they cannot smell, and their hands and legs do not work. And that is, and if you are, if you are going to worship these things in this world, you're going to land up, as it says in verse 8, Kamohem yuhu osehem, those who make them should become them, kol botech bahem, those who trust in them. We know very, very well when we put our trust in other people, somewhere along the line, we get hurt. And really, this is very, very profound and perhaps a very, very important lesson now, particularly before Matan Torah, before the giving of the Torah. You know, the story is told that God wanted, looked down onto the, on, onto the planet and wanted to give the Torah to various nations. And he went through uh, the various nations and he said to the one, do you want the Torah? They said, what's in it? He said, do not murder. They said, please do me a favor. Leave us alone. We murder all day long. That's our business. Go away. God went to the next nation and said, you want the Torah? They said, what's in it? Do not steal. Steal. That's what we do for a living. And so forth and so forth, so forth and so on. God went to each and every nation and each and every nation found something that they were not listening to in the Torah and didn't want it. Came to the Jew. We said, we will do and we will hear. Meaning it doesn't matter that we don't understand all the intricacies of this divine knowledge. We take upon ourselves the yoke of heaven, the all machut shamayim, and we will become the ambassadors for God in this world in the belief in only one God and that it is only God that is able to do everything. And it's a lesson for us every single day, every single day. We will have some type of information or some knowledge or some something that comes our way and says, you know, rely on this one or rely on that or rely on this, that will take you through the day. It could be that it will, but it's a false sense because what gets us through the day is Hashem. Hashem gives us our life in the morning. He allows us to be mobile. He allows us to go about our daily work. And he is the one that is guiding us each and every single day. And even when we are faced with very difficult challenges, okay, and it seems like all doors are closed, know that it is Hashem that is running the world and it is to Hashem that we actually have to put our trust. And this is where in the Tehillim, once there is a breakdown from King David in telling us that don't trust in these idols at all, every single aspect, every single Thing that you can think of um, <clears throat> that they do, they don't really do, that really doesn't function, the, 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 the uh, chapter of Tehillim changes and it comes back and it speaks to the Jewish people. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And so we're going to take a, a, a turn, a steering wheel turn, after discussing the idol worship of the Gentile nations and reminding ourselves that we shouldn't get involved. We now have the psalmist coming and teaching us what we should get involved in. And this is now starting um, verse 9 and reading for a while. It goes, Yisrael, betach Hashem, O Israel, trust in Hashem, Ezram umaginam hu. He is your help and your shield. Beit Aharon, the house of Aaron, Bitchu Bashem, 
believe in Hashem, trust in Hashem. Ezram umaginam hu, he is their help and their shield. Yurei Hashem bitchu Hashem. Those who fear Hashem, trust in Hashem. Ezram umaginam hu. So you could see that there is an absolute turnaround that what are you putting your belief in? There's only one entity to put our belief in. It is Hashem. And it's very interesting because you can see there's, there's quite a lot of repetition. The Torah doesn't waste time in repetition unless it's very important. And he actually finds three groups of people. Okay, Yisrael betach b'Hashem, Beit Aharon bitchu b'Hashem, Yirei Hashem bitchu b'Hashem. Israel must believe in Hashem. The house of Aaron must believe in Hashem. Those that fear Hashem, fear God, must believe in Hashem. And um, the rabbis basically go, the Maharal, in fact, says there are three groups of Jews, and each have a different motive in serving God. Okay, some Jews um, feel that God simply is their father, and they are their devoted sons. And these people are called Yisrael. Yisrael means God's chosen, beloved nation. So we trust in God just simply as a child trusts in their father. Yisrael betach b'ashem. All those who have a father-son relationship, a father-child relationship, trust in Hashem because it is from him that you will get his help and he is your shield. We then have a, another group that is Beit Aharon. Now, according to the Maharal, the Beit Aharon are people who serve God out of love. If you recall, Aharon, the brother of Moshe Rabbeinu, was known most importantly for the love that he have, had for a fellow Jew and the love that he had for Hashem. He was the epitome of love, and um, the house of Aaron was really also the Kohanim, the priests who never betrayed God, and were designated to stand in His presence in the time of 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 the temple. So, first, it's kind of like the standard Jews. We've got a relationship to God. God is my Father. I'm His child. I believe in Him. I trust in Him. He's my shield. Then you have a higher group of people that are serving um, God out of love. Like Aharon Hakoyen, like Aharon the high priest, where they do things for love of God. And then we have the highest group, according to the Maharal, um, which is Yireh Hashem, the people who serve God out of fear and of awe. And the Maharal and the Radak go and say that this, in fact, is those, um, are, those are the people who are totally immersed in their studies, in the seclusion of the Beit Midrash. They're sitting and learning, and they have intensively learned, and, led, and this has led them to the conclusion that there is no force in the world that needs to be feared or trusted other than God. And so the psalmist comes out and says it three times, Ezram umaginam hu, okay? Each time we are mentioned one type of Jew, we are told God is their help and their shield. And each successive group possesses a higher level of faith, and it is deserving of a totally different degree of divine protection. And so God's reaction to each one of those groups is mentioned separately. Nevertheless, wherever you are on the spectrum, trust in Hashem, because Ezra Mumaginam Hu, He is your help and he is your shield. And honestly, many times when one takes the shackles 
of the hardships of this world and throws them at God and say, these are yours, God, help me, because you're the only one that can help me. Many times we see these hardships dissipate because we're putting our trust in the right things. We're not putting our trust in the hands of idols. The verses then continue and start praising Hashem and start telling us that those who trust in Hashem, Hashem will certainly look after. It reads as follows. Hashem will remember us, and he will bless us. When we cast our lot with Hashem, and when we trust, then Hashem remembers us, and he blesses us. And who does he bless? He blesses all three of us. He will bless those who see him as a father and a child. Yevarech et Beit Aharon, he blesses those who serve God out of love. Yevarech Yireh Hashem, he will bless those who serve God out of awe and reverence. Haktanim im hakdoilim, the small ones with the big ones. And in each and every one of those three categories, there are guys that are smaller, are, 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 are not as great as others, but they're haktanim im hakdoilim. They are both the, the smallest ones, the smallest ones that fear, and the smallest ones that love, and the smallest ones that connect to Hashem, to the greatest ones that fear and that love Hashem. Hashem will bless all of us. Yosef Hashem Aleichem, Aleichem ve'arbanechem. Hashem will add upon you, upon you and all your children. Beruchim atem Lashem, Oseh Shamayim ba'aretz, you are blessed, um, and Hashem will bless you because he is what? He is the maker of heaven and earth. And this is a huge push to everybody. Know where your bread is buttered. Your bread is buttered with Hashem. Trust Hashem. It's the only thing you can trust in this world. It's a tall order because it's so hard to stray and start believing in something that doesn't have eyes or something that doesn't have ears. We think they have ears. We think they have eyes. We think that they can walk. We think that they can change the situation. It's not true. Early Hashem, early Hashem, that's where our trust must be. So Baruchim Atem Lashem, you are, will all be blessed of Hashem, who is Oseh Shemayim Va'aretz, who is the maker of heavens and earth. And then we go into verse 16 that reads, Hashemayim Shemayim Lahashem. We know that the heavens, the heavens are Hashem's. Va'aretz Natan Livnei Adam. It's the earth that he gave to man, meaning that we have a purpose here. We have a reason to be in this world. We're not asking you to try and behave angelic. The heavens are the heavens. God, God, God there, there is a world in the heavens and God worries about that. We have to worry about our purpose in this world. God gave the earth to mankind and God gave it to us because here we are granted the freedom to determine our actions and beliefs. And the biggest test is do we believe in God, do we trust in God, or do we give our trust and belief to somebody or something else? Very interestingly, it continues the verses, Lo hametim neither the dead can praise Hashem, the lawyer de Duma, nor anyone who descends into silence. 
We're going to go for a little bit of a break and then we are going to finish up and understand these last two verses. You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. And we're going to wrap up. Let's just go back to the verse uh, that we were saying just before the break. Neither the dead can press, uh, praise Hashem nor anyone descend into silence. This verse comes to teach us that it's here in this world that we can make a difference. Once over 120 we are done, okay, we no longer can praise Hashem, get connected to Hashem, form the relationship that we can in this world by trusting in Hashem. So don't wait until it's too late. It's now when you are challenged, when it is really a matter of free choice. Now is the time that you need to say that you trust in Hashem, that you say Baruch Hashem, because it says that one who is kept silent in this world and refused to praise Hashem will remain silent in the grave. And so the verses, the, this, this uh, chapter of Tehillim ends off with, but we will praise Hashem from now, the Adolam, from now until forever, hallelujah, praised be Hashem. And this is really a very, very, very powerful lesson. I have many times conversations with people who are fearing what is going on in the world and the various um, leaders of the world that seem to be, you know, running amok, doing things, being really pathetic. Everybody feels insecure and scared about what's going on. As a Jew, we don't have to worry about any of this because if we trust in Hashem, we know that all of these people are merely pawns in Hashem's hand. Hashem is playing a huge chess game. He's moving things around. It might look ludicrous. It might look like we're, uh, I don't know, careering down the wrong path. But for a Jew, a Jew is always connected to Hashem, whether you're Yisrael, Beit Yisrael, whether you're Beit Aharon, whether you're Yireh Hashem, whichever way you connect to God, you need to be and remain trust, trustful in knowing that Hashem is watching every second of every day. And when we do that, we actually open our hearts. We actually give ourselves the opportunity to live a life that is meaningful, that is purposeful. And all we need to do is we need to look into the Torah, get its guidance, and do what Hashem tells us to do, even if it's contrary to everything out there. Because in doing that, we align ourselves with Hashem, and we will be blessed as this Capital teaches us. So I'm wishing each and every single one of you a wonderful Shavuot, a Chag Sameach. Hope that Shavuot is meaningful for you and that you allow yourself to explore the multi-dimensions of Torah and that you're able to take the teachings of Torah and apply them to your daily life with encapsulated in the fact that the most important thing to do is trust in God. Have a wonderful week.